Oh, welcome, listener, to episode 37 of the Cincy Postcast. I am your host, Kevin, and boy, is there a full show for you. In part one, we got two segments in the 11 out of the 18, as well as the very first installment, very excited about this, of The Film Room. We'll be looking at a bunch of different movies throughout the offseason, and we, we had to pick a good one to start off. In part two, we actually talk about FC Cincinnati News, Sergio Santos's extended is the big news of the day as well as in part three we're going to touch on the u.s men's national team roster as well as the american outlaws board getting paid to go to guitar hmm suspicious and that'll be your episode 37 oh joining me to discuss everything in this off season We've got the usual crew back with us. Uh, Grayson, how you feeling, buddy? How how we how's the off season finding you these days? Um, I think we'll I think we'll find out because okay. there okay. hasn't been there hasn't been you know much much soccer to watch uh, domestically lately. But you know we we did have that men's national team roster drop today. Oh, and it reminded I, me of all the things that I. That I have have loved so much this last year. It, I mean, not not to talk about it too much, but it, it did remind me how little I've watched the Western Conference this year, and just like, oh, huh, I guess that guy's national team caliber. Um, <laughs> that, that was exciting to find out today. And uh, Chief, uh, how is uh, how's the off season finding you? Off season, um, you know, it's good. It's always season for something, though. So we had election season uh, yep. this week. So, you know, politics is our number one team sport in this country where you just, you know, just happen to play in a league with only two teams. Uh, so it makes <laughs> makes deciding your favorite easy. So now it was, you know, just get, got drunk and watched sports last night. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> American politics is basically just the Scottish Premier League, right? It's just, it's the two big, it's the two big teams. And if you cheer for them, uh, you're either a, a, a dirty loyalist or a dirty Catholic. And, I think we uh, should keep, I think we should keep the two party <laughs> system, but we should have promotion and relegation. So whoever comes in second place, that party has to be relegated. And then they, <laughs> We'll promote up like the Libertarians or the Whigs or whoever the fuck is up next. Uh, I'm still rooting for a bull moose party uh, resurrection. I uh, I don't remember exactly what they stood for, but that's a sweet name and that just needs to come back. Right. I always get confused between bull moose or the moose and squirrel, but one of it was two animals involved. I know that. Um, in a, in Minnesota, I think it was, there yeah. were two different legalize marijuana parties on the on the ballot for um some for some office they like somebody took a screenshot of their ballot and it had like the republican the democrat the uh legal weed party and the <laughs> make weed legal party <laughs> it's like that episode of the office where there was the party planning committee and the committee to plan parties and they just hated one another despite yes. doing the exact same function the public oh. safety committee and the committee for public safety <laughs> yeah the uh i i always go back to the uh the life of brian bit of the uh, the people's united front of judea and the people's judean front and and all oh, the fucking splitters like and just they're pointing and mocking the two people sitting on the other side of the coliseum <laughs> from 
from them. <laughs> there's like the there's a there's all types of fun like religious break off churches. It's like there's like yes. the uh, there's like the Anglican Church in America, and then there's the American Anglican Church, and then there's like <laughs> the American or the the Anglican Church in North America, and it's. Yeah, you can't keep any of it straight. Right, right. There's a classic joke, and I, I, I'm happy to butcher it just by describing it. But uh, it's like a suicidal man's on a bridge. Another man like walks up, and he's like, "Oh man, you have so much to live for. Like, don't you don't you belong to a community or a church?" It's like, oh yeah, I'm a Lutheran. Oh yeah, and like they start going through like, oh from from this decision, this split, this sect, this this creed, and they get like I don't know seven layers in. And he goes, you know, like. 1874. Well, then fuck off, buddy. <laughs> Just like, <laughs> oh, it's good, good stuff. Uh, that's that's politics in a nutshell to me. Uh, um, I mean, maybe maybe this is one of our one of our items here, but I mean, I don't see any reason why we we don't dive back on into in the eleven out of the eighteen, and uh, I. I think we got to start with Chief. Chief, did did politics make your eleven or or get left behind as you went to Qatar? Yeah, just... <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into that later. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, my in the eleven is is Twitter right now, specifically oh, verified yes. Twitter. Um, yes. <laughs> it's been a great day. Like, look, I understand that like the goal of people think the goal of Twitter is to, is informative or that if there's some great public duty that it's performing at the end of the day, it's just an entertainment app. Like it's just something yes. to keep me from being bored, you know, when I'm on the John or I've got a few minutes to like to kill myself. And uh, Elon Musk's new plan about verification badges where anyone can pay $8 and get verified. <laughs> anyone <laughs> at all with $8 and a Twitter account can get a verified badge. And today we had a, a there was a fake Rudy Giuliani tweeting news yes. looking very official. Oh. There was a fake Adam <laughs> Schefter that got online and started reporting NFL news. Uh, and there's no, the, their plan apparently is just, oh, our moderation teams will catch this. But like, you can do a tremendous amount of damage in a very short amount of time, especially in this moment right now where oh, yeah. everyone isn't used to having their head on a swivel when it comes to blue checkmark accounts. Like back in the day, you always had to like, wait, you know, check the name, check the username. Is that the right person on here? Now the blue checkmark made us lazy. This is going to have to make us strong again with remembering exactly <laughs> who we're looking at and what we're reading. So it's I like love this. It's people's, chaos. Uh... It's like it's like having to remember people's phone numbers again. <laughs> yes, right. Yes. Like, um, I, this this could all be just a a kind of a longer term play for Elon to have plausible deniability that his own account is like an imposter parody account. The next time the SEC comes asking him about like all his tweets, like goosing up or goosing down his stocks, depending on what he wants to do at any given moment. He's, he's like, oh, it's a parody. Who could, who could tell? Who could right. possibly know? This is going to fuck up somebody in court. There's going to be screen captures of something. Like, well, clearly you were tweeting this from your verified account. Oh, man. I I do think that, like, yes, it opens up the door for, like, the big impersonations, like an Adam Schefter tweet to go viral. But I also think it's, like, 
it's kind of perfect for like the mid-level verified account, the uh, the county commissioner of a <laughs> county you don't care about, the uh, you know the middle manager of some company that's super boring but also super important. I think that's where I think that's where the damage is going to get really done there. The, the funny thing about all this is that there are so many blue checks on Twitter already. For people that it's like, I don't understand why you are verified because yes. there's been they never had consistent criteria as to who was verified. So the people yeah. that got in at the start and was part of the first wave of verifications, like if you ran a tech blog that had a dot com of its own and you yeah. were the writer on that, they verify you. Or like if you were someone that was like a low level employee at like a, a TV station in Poughkeepsie you'd get verified for being the weekend reporter there. And it's like, yep. then you'd stop doing that because you decided you didn't want to stay in TV. And now just Dan has a blue check mark as he works at a fucking, you know, a first watch, like serving right. tables. Right. So so the, the, the process is bullshit to begin with. And there's, there's too many people on there that have the blue check for no reason. I just love that it's chaos, that like this little club <laughs> is mad. And there's probably, if you think about it, only about, I don't know, like a thousand accounts, maybe, where it really matters if they're verified and it really matters to know who they are. And the rest yeah. of it is just like, you're just mad that you're losing clout and that you're losing that ability to, you know, have your takes have the verified symbol right after them. So, yeah, it takes away the shortcut of vetting South American player rumors i'll say as a as a soccer consumer i need to know like oh this random player's linked to sec oh it's from a verified account that like this just i don't know like it's just a shortcut for me to take it seriously and i shouldn't and um yeah i i think this will make us good internet citizens in the long run and that's a lie this is going to fuck everything up <laughs> what it does suck though is that, you know, i was thinking about this the other day uh as all this is going down this is just like cl classic elon musk behavior where i'm going to throw a ton of things at the wall most of them are going to be terrible and i'm going to get yelled at and i'm going to get clowned and you the one good one will stick and then i'll pretend yeah. that that was the plan all along and be damned if you think that you can call me on the fact that I promised 10 other things at the same time with my cyber yeah. truck. But um, <laughs> there is this weird thing with Twitter and it's like, you know, I get into debates with people about like, is this so ever going to continue or whatever's going to happen. But to an extent that it wasn't it before with any other social media platform, there's a lot of people that like really depend on this site for money. I mean, you look at somebody like Laura Failer. Like yeah. her following is primarily based around the fact that she's on Twitter. She posts things to Twitter and she's a known content creator for FC Cincinnati. Um, if it wasn't right. for and Twitter. Her to grow is, is in large part based on, you know, can she get like other fan bases to come to her if they want FC Cincinnati news. Right. Right. But, and having that, having the blue check is, is I imagine pretty valuable for that. Or you look at somebody like we we interviewed her earlier this year, like that uh, the Cheyenne girl between Quinn and Sheets. Like the majority of like whatever she does is, you know, it's going to be based on a Twitter following for the most part. Like you that yeah. the platform doesn't lend. There's other platforms like TikTok and Facebook and all this stuff. It doesn't lend itself well to journalism. To I mean, maybe Cheyenne can get away with doing more TikTok stuff just because she you know, it's kind of like more of the influencer side of things. But like, right. there's no reality where Laurel goes on to TikTok and starts rapping FC Cincinnati news like that ain't gonna fucking work. 
but it'd be fun be, oh, <laughs> I, that, that would get my five dollar patreon subscription just, just to see what just to see what it looks like i i do think and i mean not not to make it more serious but like i think twitter is missing something that youtube figured out a long time ago which is like how do you monetize content creation like you need to on youtube you're incentivized to make content because you can make money making content on twitter you're incentivized to somehow get people from your Twitter account to your monetization platform, be that Patreon or whatever. There needs to be some version of this where it's like, you know, you're getting paid for so many impressions of ads that are seen on your specific timeline or next to your ad or something like that. It's not super clear how you'd be able to do that. But like, that's the missing link, I think. And if, if Elon can solve that, great. But like, there's no incentive to make content on Twitter in and of itself. It's It's all to get you somewhere else, which is bad site design you don't want to be sending people off of your site so right. it's like what's the old joke that the goal of golf is to play less golf yes the yes. goal of twitter <laughs> is to get off twitter to find something right. that takes you to another app and gets you away from twitter like ah this is an interesting link for me to click i shall click here and leave twitter and we will leave twitter and we will go explore this little wormhole that i've i've encountered yes <laughs> Uh, uh so my out of the, is, my out of the yeah. 18 is uh is clocks i hate <laughs> i hate daylight savings time i hate this turn back the clock shit i hate darkness happening at 5 36 o'clock i've been yeah. promised over the summer that there was a act of congress or a bill that was signed that would end this forever apparently it's still pending in the house it, of representatives it's, it's in the uh in its death throes in committee right now yeah Quite literally, I would vote for any candidate that promised we would end the process of turning our clocks back and making it dark earlier. I don't understand it. It's not the 1800s. We don't work on farms. Most of us work during the day. There should be more daylight during times when most when you are not working. During the workday, I don't care if it's dark because I'm inside doing things. I want it to be light out when I can do things after work. This shit is nonsense. I hate it, and I hate everyone that supports it. It needs to end. Fuck Ben Franklin for coming up with this originally. God, That's the only so thing I remember true. from the movie National Treasure is that Ben Franklin invented daylight savings time. He did. He he did come up with bifocals and the post office. So it's kind of a mixed bag with old Ben Frank. Um, <laughs> and, and the stove, I believe. And the, and the, the Franklin stove, which people okay. were using to, to warm their houses back in the day. I think he also invented it? the $100 bill, too. So that's kind of a flex on his part. Uh, I am a flag nerd and I came across a, uh, this flag that I, the name is escaping me right now. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Um, it has a, uh, it has a better name for this, but basically the story was that, uh, John Paul Jones, an American privateer, uh, had 
taken a uh, a British ship during the American Revolution and went to a Dutch port. And when they got there, they uh, they in the battle all of the all of the flags were destroyed, and they did not have an American flag to fly as they came into port. So when they came in, uh, all of the British sailors said that this guy was a pirate, that he was not an American, that he was a pirate, and that they should kill him. And the Dutch did not believe this story, and they uh, they wanted to get them an American flag, but nobody at that time knew what an American flag looked like. So they wrote Ben Franklin and I think John Adams, who were both in Europe at the time, what does the American flag look like? And they they wrote them back a description that was so close to being right, and they fucked it up. And it is 13 stars, but they have red, white, and blue alternating 13 stripes. It's very weird, but it's a very obscure, like, nerdy naval history flag uh, that is sometimes called the Franklin Adams flag. And there you go. That's your Ben Franklin uh, new fact of the day. <laughs> it's a uh, it's a fun-looking flag. So can, can, we, can we figure out a way to write a script where this flag is exists over in the netherlands and uh nicholas cage is forced to steal it because woven into the flag are instructions on how to mine diamonds at the center of the earth or some bullshit yes although knowing ben franklin it's like where a really good drug stash is in paris or like I'd, where the I'd, best brothel is i would still watch that movie too <laughs> it's a much much better movie and we got a better chance of getting nick cage back right. on board <laughs> nick cage has to look for the most famous whorehouse in the city of paris and the map is on the back of the franklin flag it's uh, the, the actual map is you have to take out the blue stripes that don't yes. belong in the American flag. Yes. And if you, you arrange the blue strikes yes. and stack them, that's where it makes the map right there. This is a this is a fifty million dollars streaming idea for Disney Plus right here. I, oh I would unashamedly God. watch this. And you cross it over into the Moulin Rouge universe. Hell yeah! <gasps> See. Oh, yeah. but it would I'm be sure this is what you that. do. Yeah, you sure. and they, got, they got Obi Wan. You and McGregor can get involved in this. It's fine. Uh, you make it, sorry, I'm, I'm thinking more on this movie. You make it Cage's, like, great-grandfather, right? Like, wasn't his name besmirched trying to find this treasure? And this will be, like, the first treasure that his great-great-grandfather, like, discovered was Ben Franklin's whorehouse. Uh <laughs> wasn't, his wasn't his name in this movie Benjamin Franklin Gates? It was. It was. <laughs> Don't give me that look, Grayson. You've seen National Treasure before. Everyone has seen this movie. I, I have not. Oh. oh! Throw it on the list. Wait. We got a new segment coming up. Um, we'll talk more about this later. Uh, oh, it's going on the list. But anyway, that's a long way of saying clocks are out of the 18 this week. Don't turn them back. It's annoying. Oh, man. Uh I'll jump in here because this one was was front of mind uh, this past week and and a little bit last week as well. Uh, my in the eleven lotteries, big fan of lotteries. I don't know if you guys saw, but one single ticket won one point nine billion dollars in uh, California. This person instantly becomes one of the 4,000 richest people on planet Earth. And given that they uh, will get it in various states of uh, liquid, uh, probably have more cash on hand than at least 2,000 of those 4,000 richest people. Just in 
insane thing that we decide to do as a society, and I fucking just, love it. Th th I was thinking about this. We just pick a person at random and decide you get to be rich. You get to be so unbelievably rich. Not like live a comfortable life. You get to like walk into any professional team's boardroom and plop down a 30% plus stake. Like you could have bought the Ottawa Senators uh, cash, I think, with, with the winnings of this lottery and still had $100 million to live comfortably. So I like, think that we, we kind of screw this up because I think that every person in America should be entered into the lottery. And you can buy more tickets if you want, but just by existing, you should still be on the list so that everyone has a stake in the drawing that like it literally could be you just because yes. every person is eligible. And then in true American fashion, money allows you to buy more chances. But I don't know. All well, speech is equal, but more speech is more equal. Um I love, I mean, I'm a big believer in lotteries generally. I think lotteries are the best version of democracy. I would love to have members of Congress selected by lottery. I would love to have outcomes of laws selected by lottery. Lotteries are the great equalizer in this world. I think college admissions, you want you want to get around all the all the ridiculous college admission issues. You just you just have schools vet whether or not a person could or could not get in lottery baby there's no there's no advantage to having you know legacy ads or this or that on your resume could you get in yes or no you're in the hopper let's see it i yeah, i'm a big believer it's nice to know that like anybody can become rich and you don't have to have sex with ray j <laughs> <laughs> or have a sister that has sex with ray j god so true i mean that's also kind of like winning the lottery <laughs> the having the sister is the real winning the lottery <laughs> it's like you don't want to buy a boat you want a friend that owns a boat has sex with yes. ray j on a boat <laughs> <laughs> oh man it, the, isn't that just american democracy right there that's that's the american dream i mean you're talking about your next state senator from california i'm betting <laughs> i mean just give it a couple years impossible <laughs> Oh, and uh, on a similar note, out of the 18, uh, losing the lottery, uh, because I spent a lot of mental energy thinking about what I would do with the winnings, and now all of that time was wasted. I, I had a, a big plan in, in place. I was going to change my name. I was going to set up different accounts. I was going to set up like a fund that friends and family could apply to to get money out of that fund, but like... I wasn't going to be in charge. I was going to let some, you know, random ass lawyer that I've never met be the arbiter of the distribution of funds. It was going to be much better this way. <laughs> and is it really, and, is it really wasted time if you enjoyed the process of wondering what your life would be like? <laughs> I mean, that is ultimately what you are paying for when you buy a lottery ticket is you're giving yourself it's a ticket to daydream yeah. about what it would be like to it's win. Like, it's like buying a movie that you watch in your own head and that you don't yes. know the outcome of. It's like I'm going to you know, buy this ticket and I'm going to spend the next four days imagining all the crazy weird shit I would do if I had unlimited resources. And then you get to enjoy, indulge that fantasy until they do the drawing, or in this case, where they messed up the drawing and oh, we did it again the next morning. So the shit's suspicious. rigged. Rigged. 
rigged. Yeah, security issues on the night of, I was just immediately like, clearly somebody did steal this. Somebody also, managed to fuck with this. I also, I'm staying woke too, that occasionally when we have these jackpots that are really big, that they are purposely drawing numbers that they know nobody has because, you know, nobody talks about the lottery until it gets up to a certain point. And every so often they got to juice the pot up to make sure that everybody remembers. Oh, yeah, the Powerball is still a thing because that's the only way any they ever get stories written about the lottery these days is when the jackpot's fucking enormous. So, yeah. I don't know, maybe maybe someone was trying to fuck the algorithm up one more time and they had to just get a little <laughs> delay there to prevent this from happening again. Yeah, if you want to if you want to get good. Uh, kind of another another conspiracy that maybe just that just uh, happened. You can be skeptical about is there was I guess some UPS truck that was hauling a bunch of SAT tests, and they just flew off the truck. So all the kids <laughs> have to take the SAT again. Like that's like the plot of a Disney Channel original movie or something. <laughs> like like you like you like fuck up the SAT and then you have to get your friend to to break into the UPS truck and right. and like burn all the tests. Like a super low stakes <laughs> heist movie involving something yeah. that really only matters to a 15 year old. Yeah. Perfect oh, Disney man. Channel. There was a there was like a, a great college movie that started off with that where they uh they paid their really smart buddy to take the exam. And uh, the professor at the end is like, hey, I don't I don't recognize you. Like, who are you? Uh, and the guy just grabs the stack of tests and throws them <laughs> up in the air. They can't figure out which one he just put into the stack. <laughs> if I somebody mean, knows that movie, please remind me what it was. Uh, it's such a good scene. The, when you started making the description, I thought we were going to go with uh, Red Man and Method Man's How High, where they get really smart <laughs> from smoking a dead friend's ashes and end up going to college. I think Harvard. I I have no knowledge of this, but this sounds incredible. It's a, it's a fantastic movie. <laughs> was the friend smart? Is that is that the premise that like it was the smart friend? Yeah, it was ashes? like a smart, it was a smart friend. Okay. They smoked a smart friend's dead ashes or a smart grandfather's ashes. <laughs> it what if, oh, just like what if life actually worked that way though? Like, it's kind of like Highlander, except with drugs. Yeah. Like there'd be like big smoking parties whenever like Stephen Hawking died, where people are trying to <laughs> imbue his knowledge in them. <laughs> oh God! Anyway, uh, Grayson, you have you have something in your eleven for us? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to get I don't want to get too controversial. I know we like to stick away, we like to steer clear of like politics uh, on this podcast, you know but um, very apolitical group here. In the in the eleven, um, gotta go with card carrying member of the Pride, Greg Landsman, being elected to Congress out of uh, the Ohio first district. That is true. Um, and I don't, I don't, I say this because he's in the Pride. I hear allegedly <laughs> not not for any reason, not for any other political reason. Although, like, I don't, I don't think Shabbat's in the Pride. I think he's in. The brigade. I mean, would, <laughs> I mean, it would be hard to miss Steve Shabbat at a soccer game. Just look for the guy who looks like he's wearing a Steve Shabbat mask. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's nice that uh, the Pride got finally a member uh, elected to Congress, and it wasn't Max Ellerby. I, I think that's really ultimately the twist of the century here. And, um, yeah, I mean... 
what's next? You know, a cabinet position. How high can the pride get? I don't know. We'll soccer, see. soccer hooligans infiltrating all levels of government. My column. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I bet I bet SGs would appeal on some level to JD Vance. I bet we could. I bet we could recruit a senator. It feels like a. I don't know his his. I mean, he reads a lot of weird blogs. So I mean. I feel like we're in that that ballpark. <laughs> I was actually shocked that Shabbat lost. I he just was like the ultimate yeah. political cockroach. Like I thought that at the end, after after Russia launched the nukes, the only thing left would be Steve Shabbat sharing a Twinkie with a cockroach. <laughs> and somehow I, he would be he would be putting up one of his yard signs somewhere. <laughs> I mean, he really did have the best job for like twenty years. I don't I don't know how much work he actually did, but it I couldn't. Mean, have you ever heard this? Much. Although you say that, but like, have you ever heard the stories like what reps have to do? Oh where yeah, that the majority of their time when you're a rep, like a, for the U.S. House of Representatives, you have to maintain some residence in D.C., which I think they actually changed a law or passed a law based on Steve Shabbat because Shabbat used to sleep in his own office, so they passed a law saying congressmen are no longer allowed to have a cot or a mattress at the office building. So you have to have a residence. So most of these guys, that are, they don't they don't pay enough for people to have like a D.C. house for the most part. So a lot of these guys, they'll share seven, eight people with a flat on Capitol Hill or, you know, they'll get I'm, paid. I'm not sure that the prospect of congressmen squatting in their office is the reason why you might want to ban them from having beds in there. <laughs> <laughs> Is that why they banned smoking in the Oval Office? <laughs> yeah. Um, they didn't but ban smoking. They banned cigars. C- cigar smoking, specifically. Um, but, <laughs> but apparently, what, one of your biggest responsibilities when you work for the House of Representatives as, a, as an elected official is they send you to these call center rooms that look like they're straight out of like AT&T or some uh, telemarketing yeah. thing. And elected officials spend seven to eight hours a day or six hours a day just making cold calls to people looking for money for the House Republican Leadership Fund or the Democratic House Leadership Fund. So you're just you're a very well-paid telemarketer that has to have a second house in Washington, D.C. It just sounds horrendous. And then on top of that, you're always running for reelection. It's the worst job ever. Except for every other job. Except for the Yeah. Right. (laughs) I mean, having said that, if someone was just going to appoint me to Congress, I'd be I'd be all about that. Right, right. <laughs> um, so out of the 18, I'm going to say bourbon snobbery. Ooh. Uh, yesterday, yesterday on Twitter, Pat Brennan uh, tweeted that he was missing out on the, uh, because he's sick, he's missing out on the Enquirer's election night event, and there was a bottle of Basil Hayden's on the table. And of course, you know, a few people felt the need to jump in and say, you know, Basil Hayden's not a very good bourbon. It's a... It's overpriced. You know, sure. you can do a lot better than that. Maybe. Or maybe I just maybe like so. Basil Hayden's. What the, what but the maybe fuck? You like, maybe you like Basil Hayden's. Right. You know, like, we're talking about, like, a product that goes anywhere from 30 to $70 in, like, 95% of cases. That's not a lot of, that's not a lot of difference. People right. do have different tastes. I mean, it's not like a... 50 year old bottle of scotch was on the table or something right 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 like there was like you're like you're like oh you like you like uh basil hayden's well 
you shouldn't you shouldn't like that you should drink uh four roses small batch which is three dollars cheaper or whatever right right, <laughs> like, no, right, it, right. It's, beer and bourbon are this weird thing that whenever you post you're drinking something especially somebody that's famous that does it or has a blue check well I mean, anyone could have a blue eight dollars <laughs> anyone could be but this this like why are you drinking that that's trash you should try this instead it's like maybe i just like this like right. maybe i maybe i want to drink a lone star at the bar i don't care that it's four dollars and that there's better beer out there i would like to drink this tonight that's okay it's like do i have better bourbon than a bottle of basil hayden's maybe but that's what i'm putting out to drink tonight because it's just a basil hayden's night i don't need you to hop into the replies telling me that i could have made a better choice i made my choice fuck off <laughs> right and people i think people get really self-conscious about their about their tastes right because it's like oh, i have to have like yeah. the best correct taste yeah like i have to like the right things because somebody else is going to see what i like and they're going to say oh well you're you don't know your bourbon or whatever. And I don't know who gives a shit, right? Right. Your taste is your taste. Just like what you like. Don't worry about if somebody else likes it or not. I mean, they're not, you know, I don't know. It's, it's always like you don't go to somebody's house. Right. And say and like demand them that they bring you out like a bottle of Pappy. Right. When they, <laughs> <laughs> like just, just chill out a second. Right. You it's so, yeah. and you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to put this out there. For for most people, it probably it probably all just tastes tastes more or less the same. Sometimes yeah. it's you know got ice in it, so it's colder. <laughs> <laughs> that actually is my favorite is the uh, the bourbon snob who then like fills up their glass with ice. That's always my favorite. Or uh, uh, not to not to call out some of my my dad's friends, but they're big bourbon snobs and then mix everything with Coke. It's right. like all right, guys, like come on, what are we doing here? <laughs> There used, to be a bur- like- there used to be a bourbon group on Facebook where you could always piss people off by posting a really nice bottle of bourbon next to a can of Coke. <laughs> like, you didn't even have to use it for that. People are like, one of the best, smoothest drinks I've had in a while. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> little incriminating can of Coke. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I, I'll, I'll cop to it. I've, I've been at home and the only bottle we have is Blanton's and my wife doesn't want to drink it straight. She wants to drink it mixed with something or in a cocktail. So I'll make a cocktail with, with the Blantons. You know, I honestly yeah. don't give a shit. Yeah. Like, like I'd prefer not to, I'd prefer right. to use something cheaper, but it's what we have on hand. It's the proper and reaction. Don't give a shit. It's to drink. Yes. Right. <laughs> like, no. And, and like, hopefully that that's a good cocktail now. Like it should be really good. So if you, if you drink it, then you can't post pictures of your great collection online for everyone to marvel at. <laughs> That is a good point. Is it? I mean, I mean, that's a great point too. It's like you can give Pat Brennan shit for not drinking a better bourbon, but is it even possible to buy a better bourbon at this point? Like every nerd is like staking out the grocery stores and the and the liquor stores. And I mean, the last one I went to was like charging fifty dollars for a membership to enter. I will give them this credit: a lottery to be able to buy uh, a bottle. So you know, it's it's. <laughs> Uh, we should have a lottery oh. we should have a lottery for more things i'm with you on this take lottery it's for a the, great have a lottery for the fourth get the next guest host of the postcast i love that i was thinking about this too this is how i would do uh, or a lottery into our discord where we discuss the show 20 <laughs> minutes before we start taping sometimes 
and it's uh it's only one person per week so it'll take a long time before like conversations are really able to get started <laughs> um i was thinking of how how you could like do congressional races as lotteries and this is what i came up with is any of the parties going in can nominate three nominees they can come up with their own system to nominate them. They get three nominees per party that wants to put up a slate. People vote, but the voting only weights an eventual lottery. So your Green Party candidate has like a 1% chance of getting their, their ping pong ball plucked at the end of this. So you, like, you can sway it one way or the other, but at the end of the day, it's still a lottery. I think that's the way to do this. <laughs> you know, elect, be electric television, the drawing for the lottery, have all the candidates standing there, like waiting for it to happen. Oh, it'd be so great because again, it's like all of the candidates are in it as well. So like, this is a heavy Republican candidate, uh, you know, district or whatever. But there's three of them, you know, in in the hopper as well. So like, they can all get the heavy weight, but it's still a toss up for those three. When it comes to good. lotteries, are you a bigger fan of the lottery machine or like they do it on the UEFA or the World Cup draws, where you have like a guy wearing like a comical <laughs> Middle Eastern getup and they swirl their hands in the ping pong balls a couple of times. Even when there's just one ball in there, they still yeah. swirl the hand around for some reason. <laughs> I do I do like any system that lets you heat and cool the balls ahead of time so that my guy knows which one to grab. Right. That is key. Which, uh, to be clear, Big has been admitted the- to multiple times in yeah. fixing different draws. Big fan of Patrick Ewing, I see. Yes. <laughs> Coach of uh, Georgetown men's basketball. There we go. There somehow, go. somehow still. S- still despite, going. Despite, I think, winning five games a season. <laughs> <laughs> that contract hey, must be nasty. Uh- <laughs> Got to win five before you win six. <laughs> That's the two-lane motto. Except we don't get to six often. Oh, my gosh. Oh. Uh- no, that's good stuff. Uh, I love that segment, and I, I do believe it's going to be a uh, a, a staple through the offseason and beyond. I don't see any reason to uh, to scrap it uh, once we once we have soccer to talk about. But one that probably won't make it out of the uh, the offseason. <laughs> is this one and i love this one i can't believe we had a brainstorming session and came up with this probably the first thing anybody would think of uh the film room i mean we've talked about doing different movies and uh this one was brought up last week and so we we all sat down to watch it and i'll put an asterisk on that uh but man the the Super Mario Brothers movie from 1993 is our first entry to the film room. Uh, I know we're we're talking about later on doing some more soccer specific ones, but I mean this one was too goofy not to to jump into. It's got to be so. number. One. It's got to be your first one has to. You have to lead off any sort of a segment with a bang. And what better place to start than a movie that even the people who made it wish didn't exist. Yeah, it uh, <laughs> it occupies a weird space in the uh, I don't know the 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 culture as it were. Like, this is I a hard think movie to, it's people, a hard movie to find. Yeah. That's like yes, my my biggest takeaway when we started talking about this on the show last week, and we actually ended up doing it. We had to get our mutual friend uh, Joseph Mamey to throw it up on a server, like download a bootleg <laughs> copy because it's not streaming anywhere. Yes. Like, they never show this movie on TV. I hadn't seen it since I was, I think, 
10, 12 when it came out originally. And yeah. it's, I would be really curious what percentage of people who are, you know, video game players under the age of 30 even know this movie exists. Oof. That's a good point. I mean, it kind of exists as like a meme or a joke, but like, yeah, I doubt they've seen anything more than like a screenshot of a Goomba. <laughs> oh, the Goombas. Oh. <laughs> what the fuck? Like, <laughs> the info dumps in this movie are incredible, where it's like, we have to explain why Goombas look this way when they clearly don't look like mushrooms. So we have a long plot expl uh, explanation about how President Koopa, not King Koopa, uh, right. played by Dennis Hopper. And I love Dennis Hopper. Anything he is in is just, he gives it 110%, no matter how bad the material he's working with. Um, yes. <laughs> explaining that he's invented a machine to de-evolve things for some reason. And that's a major plot point of this movie is that we're going to de-evolve anything that I don't like. Like we don't kill it. We de-evolve it. And the end result is these people turning into these shrunken head Neanderthals that like to dance. If you play music. Yes. Yeah, I, uh, it's, it's, oh. it's like, I think, so first of all, I do think that President Koopa was intentionally modeled after Donald Trump. I agree. He's very that was Trump the first, thing. He walks, the first thing. He's got he's got the suit, he's got the big red tie. The hair I'm gonna say the kind of looks hair. like it. Um yeah. and he works in a building that has his name in like big letters on the front. And I can't I don't know anybody else who who had that? Like especially Trump's like the, the only, especially in a movie that's clearly stayed in a set in a, a parallel New York in the nineties. Yes. He yep. was the big evil businessman of the nineties. It's like it's amazing for people that didn't grow up back then to, to know this, but like Donald Trump was almost as big a deal in the nineties as he was the minute before he announced he was running for president. Maybe even a bigger yeah. deal than he was before The Apprentice. Um, yeah, that was the first thing I thought, too, is that this is clearly he's a, a 90s Donald Trump parody. And Koopa's a germaphobe, just yeah. like Trump. Yep. And he evolved from T-Rex. What do you know about T-Rex? Tiny hands. <laughs> <laughs> it's dead fucking on. Uh, I do need to point this out, though. Uh, weird that they didn't call him Bowser. They went with so King of the Koopa, which is technically Bowser's title. So here's something interesting. In the credits, yeah. the old king who returns for like a brief second at the end of the movie. That's right. Is yeah. credited as King Bowser. They what? don't say his name in the movie at all, but he's credited as King Bowser. Well, I always thought and because I he turned no into fungus, he was supposed to be like King Toadstool or something like that is what I thought he was supposed well, to be. So the, the fungus was, so as, as a king, right, he represented the state, like the king is like the personal embodiment of the state. Yeah. So he, he devolves back to fungus, which is like kind of co the connective tissue that runs throughout the city, right? right. And yeah. it's, it helps them, right? It's a social safety net. It's right. like providing them things to help them go along when their car like flies through that cave, right. the fungus them. acts as a literal yes. safety net, safety right. net yes. to save them. <laughs> so like and this, this as we know, Mario, Mario is a working class hero and they go out of their way multiple times to show him 
working as a plumber. Yes. Which yes. is really important that you actually see Mario plumbing. Yeah. Right? Because <laughs> it yeah, makes him a member of the working class. Yeah. Right? He, he's a member. He, he, what is he? He fixes the pipes down in that, uh, at the dinosaur dig site in the real world. And then he also, he's always about carrying your tool belt. Always keep your tool belt on. We're always on the yep. clock. We're always working. He makes at least one and and makes at least one joke about something not being a union job, which I think was very funny. Um, yes, I was actually <laughs> going to bring that up because that was a throwaway line that I think it's so it's so good and key to 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 what's going on in this movie. Oh man, I I do enjoy that the uh, in the video game the fact that Mario and Luigi are plumbers is like the least important thing about them that is the one thing that is can be completely dropped from the game and nothing would change and yet it becomes the central feature of these characters in the movie but it was also, like you yeah. also remember too though that back in the day in the 90s there was a mario brothers cartoon and yes before and after each segment of the cartoon it would cut back to the actual mario brothers plumbing shop where Captain Lou Albano, the former professional wrestler, played Mario in the plumbing shop as like a live action thing. And then there would be cartoons that took place when he was in the Mushroom Kingdom as well. So that's You're that's an actual blowing big, my mind. That's an actual big <laughs> part of the character from the 90s is that whenever they showed him at live action, we were very Mario was a plumber unless He's he was actually off saving the world and saving the princess. God damn. That's hilarious. I also like that the movie bothered to explain why they're the Mario brothers when one of their first names is Mario, which is a good point. Mario, like Mario. If Luigi Mario. Yeah, yeah, Luigi Mario. Also, like if me and my brother called ourselves the uh, the Kevin brothers, I'd be like that would be kind of weird. But the I, I also my mind was blown and I completely forgotten about this that Luigi is the one that gets the girl in this movie. It's not Mario. Mario's already shacked up on some. Mario already has Mario already has a girlfriend. Right, who's planning to take to WrestleMania and forgot about. So right. that was another um, great nineties. I thought it was interesting to. Um, make Mario have a girlfriend. And I think that that's also like kind of a relic of the past years, because if there was a character that was like a, like an adult man lived on his own, it always raises the question, right? Right. <laughs> is he, is he gay? Right. So is it's very Mario important to gay? establish early in a movie that a character's not gay. Right. <laughs> so would you show that by, he goes on a double date with Luigi and princess Daisy with his like smoking hot Italian girlfriend, who's clearly <laughs> based on Marissa Tomei's character from my cousin Vinny, which maybe came I, out after this. I don't know. I did like <laughs> that. Uh, again, I'm just going to keep referring back to the video game here. I guess that'll be my, my role here. The, uh, the use of Daisy, which at this point had only been introduced in a, uh, a, random Game Boy Color game? This is a very obscure character. No, Wasn't was Princess Daisy from Donkey, Donkey Kong? Kong? Daisy's who he saves in Donkey Kong, I think, right? No, it's uh Wait, it's is a that Paulette? Name. Is Paulette the one that saves? It's isn't... Paulette, yeah. There, yeah, yeah, yeah. there you go. Yeah, Daisy and was Super Daisy... Mario Land is the princess. Yes. And she is generally considered Luigi's princess of the uh, of, I, of the, uh, that the is couple. A, that is a fun so, yeah. fact. I did not know that. Um, just, it's an interesting, I enjoy the fact that for some reason, kids movies back in the nineties and the eighties had to have like slide scenes 
like the Goonies, they go on a water slide <laughs> for no reason. And this one, like they go on a low speed frozen pipe chase with the Goombas well, sliding down on a mattress. Through a pipe. Yeah. He has to slide through a pipe, which I thought actually the, maybe one of the one quibbles I had with the movie is when they travel from Manhattan to Dino Hatton, they jump through like a fake wall when they should have slid down a pipe somehow. Right. They should have. Yeah. I mean, but they took a pipe to get there, right? Like they were walking through that pipe to the dig site and then there was the wall there. So, I mean, technically they were walking through a pipe. Maybe right, I'll, I'll allow it. Yeah. So that's <laughs> begrudgingly. I'll allow it. I just, I, I'm, I'm blown away by the fact that this movie exists, that you have all of this Mario brothers source material. And I went and I read so much shit about this movie after I watched it. Cause I had so many questions about the production was just a nightmare. They direct yep. the directors of this movie were famous, uh, not for making movies prior to this, but they were the creators of Max Headroom, the TV yeah, show right, from right, the right. 80s. And oh, like, shit. yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> um, and so you take this this video game property that has at this point, like Super Mario World had already come out. So, like, there's yes. a lot to work with in terms of what the vibe of Mario is. And um, and and you take from that, we're going to make a movie set in like a, a, a cyberpunk dystopian parallel <laughs> world where like there is a cop car chase where like, you know, they're developing bumper cars and like they take pains to show that the world is literally just this one city and a desert all around it. And they're running out of natural resources. So they have to invade <laughs> our world to get access to our water and our fuel and shit like that. And they're in like these fucking rave nightclubs. There's a rave nightclub scene. There's uh, which is called Thwomp, Thwomp. I believe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just like which is, uh, the little, you... the little squares that try to squish you in the castles. How did you get any of this? out of mario brothers like it just it's it's mind-boggling it's, like, it's just like somebody just kind of described mario brothers to somebody yes. right yes and then they just went off and right and did their own they, and, and just and just wrote a movie based on how you described it to them yeah um but like so i did i also read a couple of articles about the movie but apparently so apparently like the producers behind this were like heavy hitters. They had done like the killing fields. They had done the chariots of fire. That's mission. right. Chariots of fire was their big um, one. And the directors like Max Headroom is like, it's a, it's a cultural critique of like, you know, corporate modern society. Yeah. So like they hired those directors on purpose and they were trying to do very consciously, um, taking like like what uh batman the tim burton batman had done uh or the the teenage mutant Ninja turtles movies had done and frankly with mario even more explicitly take a child's property and like turn it into like a critique of like the world today yeah and there's a lot about the movie that's like so one of the things that happened is it is clearly it went through so many different scripts right Right. And they ended up bringing on Ed Solomon, who wrote the Bill and Ted movies and Men in Black and um, just a bunch of other kind of comedic stuff that 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 we would know to do like two weeks of script doctoring on it. And you could tell like there's just a bunch of like Jeez. silly things like kind of thrown in. Yeah. To keep the kids wise. going, keep the kids engaged. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, and it and I'm like, like I'm not saying it like it's the it's the greatest uh so social satire movie <laughs> you're ever gonna watch. But I do think I do think that it's that it's a good watch, and I think that um a lot of the negative reaction to it is just like I know what Mario is. Yeah. And I expect to see Mario and this like isn't really Mario. But if you take yeah. it on, on its own terms and like what the directors and writers are clearly clearly trying to do, you know, I I'd say, you know, it's it's not it's not a bad thing to throw on, you know. No. I that, that was my big takeaway from watching this was that I remember this movie being weird when I was a kid. And I remember everyone saying that this movie is one of the worst things ever produced. And I watched it. I'm like, this is a pretty good watch. Like, does it make yeah. sense everywhere? No. Is it batshit in terms of like what it's doing with the Mario Brothers as a concept? Sure is. But in terms of how it goes, um, Bob Hoskins hated this movie. He's really yes. he's really good in it. He's really good in it. He's really good. <laughs> Dennis Hopper like got into shouting matches every day with the directors who were a British husband and wife, the creators of Max Headroom. Like I said, he's really good in this movie, like really, really entertaining at all points. Um, the girl that plays Daisy, she's fine in more ways than one. You know, she's acceptable <laughs> as an actor. Um, no, I just, I, I watched this movie. And I was like, you know what? I, this movie gets a bad rap. I, I really enjoyed yeah. for a throwaway line and a joke we were talking about last episode. I'm glad I went back and watched this film. I I was curious about Shinjiro uh, Miyamoto's take on this because he's the creator of Mario and he, he's also created like every Nintendo property that has gone on to, you know, some cultural relevance. And uh, apparently Nintendo had no say whatsoever in this. This was strictly a licensing yeah. thing. By yeah. choice. Yeah, they, yeah. So apparently they were offered creative control and they said, nah, we don't we don't need it. Which but- is <laughs> insane. And I think this movie scarred Nintendo for generations. No, because it, they are now like the most buttoned down company of all time. They, they said the one article <laughs> I read from The Guardian that was like a retrospective of this movie said that they had a they had plans for a Metroid movie in development and this shelved it. They were like, Nope. <laughs> and that like they, been interesting. So, so over the years, because of this, they they never did anything with the Metroid movie. They were offered like shitloads of money by Netflix to do a Legend of Zelda show a couple years ago that they passed on. Of course. And um, they're just now doing this next Super Mario Brothers movie that I think is coming out next year with Chris Pratt and in the title role. I'm yeah. I'm very curious if when that movie comes out, because I'm, I'm betting that movie will be fine. Like Nintendo, yeah. they've yeah. got the formula figured out. And I don't think that they're going to do something at this point that isn't good or at least well yeah. received. I mean, the, you said the Detective Pikachu movie. I didn't see it, but I'm told that was pretty good too. It was fine, but like it's a kids' movie, but it's really good. I'm just I'm curious if this movie will get a second look from people as the other one comes yeah. out as the inevitable stories of you may think this is the first Super Mario Brothers movie ever, right. but dot dot dot. Yeah. Well, what what I was gonna say with the. Uh... Miyamoto's take I thought he had the the most interesting take which he felt like the movie was held back by being a Mario movie that he felt like that this movie like if they could have stripped out the uh, the Mario-ness of it would have been a much better movie which is interesting because clearly they didn't need the Mario universe to like 
get the plot go like, like it is a bunch of other shit tacked on to an otherwise complete story uh and i thought that was an interesting take on it uh just because it is the super mario brothers movie and also again going back to grayson's point of like it being a movie described or you know based on somebody's description of uh super mario brothers uh i also think somewhere in there somebody said this is a video game and they were like oh well then there's rocket boots in there and uh that's, that's how rocket boots ended up in the movie because uh, that is not in mario either so <laughs> but you had to do, i think that was just there was a there was a thing an edict that said well mario jumps a lot and stomps on things well how do we make bob, oh, okay, Hos- how okay. do we make bob hoskins jump like, well, he clearly right. can't do it on his own, so we're going to have to give him a pair of rocket boots. We can't just make it magic. God, that reminds me, PETA originally boycotted, called for a boycott of the, the original Mario Brothers uh, games because they were afraid kids were going to go out and jump on turtles uh, after the game mm. came out. They were, they were worried about copycat Mario Brothers. Um, also, fun fact about this movie, the uh, the guns, the de-evolution guns, are uh, Nintendo uh, Super Nintendo Super Scopes uh, spray-painted. So, there you go. There's a good Nintendo tie-in. Yeah, you know, just <laughs> g- give the fans something to look for. As yeah. You, as, as you clearly, the most important part of this movie is de-evolution technology, because that's yeah. a way we solve problems. Which I guess is like... When Mario gets a mushroom and he's big and then takes damage, he de-evolves, right? I guess maybe that's what they're borrowing it from. Well, it is like know. politics, right? Like, it's like the, like, you just want to turn your, you want to play to the lowest common denominator, turn your your supporters into just like the dumbest chuds imaginable, yes. right? Um, and then they just go to your rally and like kind of dance to <laughs> YMCA. And then, and then the the toad was I thought like the introduction of the toad character who's only very briefly in it right. was really interesting to me. And this is like really the last the last thing I want to point out, but because it, it kind of raises the because so he's like a street musician, right? And he's got like his like the dumbest poem you've like ever heard, <laughs> and it's just like kind of the classic problem of like the most kind of vocal opponents of like fascist governments are like the most annoying people you can find (laughs) it's like we can't find a better anti-koopa messenger than this guy somebody clearly has to be making better songs about this uh grayson do you have any uh symbolism to the uh the bomb mom at the end uh wearing reeboks Am I supposed to read something into the uh, <laughs> something into that? Uh, I don't. I don't have anything about that in my notes. I'm sorry. Right. I, I, I do find it interesting. I I'd never known it was pronounced babam. Oh yeah, babam. Yeah. <laughs> I've been reading that. Wrong I always called entire... it bomb because I'm a moron. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. The funny thing too is oh. I was taking notes on this movie as we were watching as I was watching it because I was like, okay, I want to have some stuff to talk about as we do this, and I quite literally. Um, stop taking notes 15 minutes in because I was enthralled with the film. <laughs> like my notes were just the uh, church doorstep baby drop is a missing trope from modern movies. Like that used to be a big thing <laughs> yep. back in the day where we just leave a church, a baby at the doorstep of a church and run away. And also if you're the, a nun and an egg hatches in front of you. You have to think that's Satan, And a baby right? comes out of the egg. How do you react to that? You either think it's Satan or you throw it all away. Yeah, it has to be Satan. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
It undoes all of your life, <laughs> the, the existence of that. <laughs> that and the other, the only other note I made before I was like, I put my phone down because I was really just focused on this movie heavily was that the side of the Mario Brothers truck has a phone number with letters on it still. Where it's like KM5. <laughs> it's like, man, if that's not fucking dated. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I always wonder if they're if they're doing that specifically to avoid people like calling an actual number or if that was truly they were they were still doing that at that time. That's I guess good. maybe it was just an old truck. That's true. It it did look, did look a little beat up. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well that's the film room. Um I don't Boy. know if there's any soccer tie in other than uh Mario Strikers Reeboks. exists. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, Mario, Mario, Mario eventually went on to play soccer. So there you go. Wow. Do you think Mario would play for Italy or would Mario play for the United States men's national team? Uh, how good is Mario? <laughs> He's short. I'm guessing he probably stocky. Probably a good six. I'm guessing. Yeah. Uh, is I'd that kind of like a Maradona build, right? Yeah. 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 I, I bet he plays for Italy. He yeah. gets the call up. He's got the grandparents' passport. He's he's in. Who's, who's the dude that made everybody all mad back in the day when he was actually good with an American? He was an actual American and played for Italy. Giovanni Giuseppe Rossi. Rossi, yeah, yeah. Giuseppe Rossi. Uh, there was a couple of other guys. Uh, uh, nope, I got nothing. All right, well, there you go. That's the film room. I don't know. That seemed like fun. I liked it. <laughs> I got one one oh. final question, and we don't don't answer this. This is for okay. the audience. All right. Okay. In the movie, the the people in Dino Hatton evolved into people from dinosaurs. Okay. If they evolved from dinosaurs, then how do you explain Yoshi still being there? If they evolved from dinosaurs. Why are there still dinosaurs? <laughs> I mean, the one guy does de-evolve to a chimpanzee in our timeline, which I find somehow problematic. So. <laughs> I just that, that was anti-Italian racism for right. sure. <laughs> the, critique, the critique of corporate America continues. Just a man in his monkey suit. <laughs> yep. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, well, I mean, I guess at some point we got to bring this over to FCC. So let's go ahead and do that in part two of the podcast. Hey, eh? uh, we'll touch on uh, Santos, Cameron, and some homegrown signings. Let's go ahead and, and jump over there. And we're back. We're talking about FC Cincinnati. And, and you know, I uh, kind of forgot about this uh, for the last segment. You want the FCC tie-in. Uh, I had the rare opportunity, FCC media team not doing their job, uh, to interview Chris Albright when he was first hired on last year. And uh, I I dug up this old podcast that he had done in like 2004, like before podcasts were a thing, with Nintendo Power's podcast and it was about mario strikers and they asked him what feature from the game would he want in real life soccer and he said electrified fences to keep fans
Denzel. So there you go. That's what, that's where his mind was. <laughs> we are the enemy to Chris Albright. Yeah. Never forget. Uh, yeah. If you're wondering how your GM views you, it's uh, cattle prods. Um, no, FCC, we've got some news here. Uh, we're, we'll get a, hit a couple of these uh, real quick. By the time you're listening to this, either the expansion draft protection list will be out for FCC or the expansion draft will have already happened. I don't know. Some people like to let the podcast sit in the feed for a little bit there. Um, but you have that coming up. Uh, I don't think we'll see any crazy surprises there. Uh, we did also see, uh, homegrown news for, uh, Steven, uh, whose last name Jimenez. Jimenez. That's what I was thinking. Uh, but no, Jimenez, uh, came out one of the more expensive homegrown rights deals we've seen in quite a while. Uh, if all the incentives were to hit, uh, we'd be sending DC somewhere in the neighborhood of $550,000 in GAM. Uh, also out there, a uh, bit of sad news if you're a big fan of uh, aging defenders, but uh, Jeff Cameron, in all likelihood, not back with FCC. Uh, come to find out his uh, his home is for sale. And unless that's a sign of him taking less money and therefore literally needing to downsize his house, uh, he is probably on the move. Um, I don't know if that's retirement necessarily. Uh, maybe he's not going to announce that until, I don't know we trick st louis into picking him in the expansion draft um but uh maybe maybe that's what's happening there and then finally the big news i think for fcc is the sergio santos re-signing or extension or i'm not entirely sure what the uh, the exact mechanism there uh this does i we don't know the the salary number which i always find silly because the players union is going to reveal these numbers anyway for you in a few months. Uh, we don't know the salary numbers, uh, but we do know that this pushes his total acquisition cost from Philly to somewhere in the neighborhood again of 900,000 gam. Uh, Grayson, is this a good move for FCC or is this a bad move? Well, I, first of all, <laughs> I don't know that we know what the acquisition costs are yet because. Okay. Uh, I don't think Philly made their corresponding announcement. Usually, mm. usually when there's these these trades, they say like with the with the St Stephen Stephen Jimenez uh, signing, DC also put out put out a press release that said that's right. We've acquired up to five hundred fifty thousand dollars in in GAM for the homegrown rights of Stephen Jimenez. Philly has not put out any press release that I've seen about what they what they have received for uh, Santos. So mm. all we know is that there are performance and contract bonuses or performance and contract escalators or however they phrase it. Yeah. So we don't know how much of that is performance-based and how much of that is just based on him signing a new contract um, or if it was just triggered by the option. So I don't... I, I, we, it's hard to say, like this was too much gam for him or this is not enough gam for him. Yeah. Um, I think he's a, I think he's a great piece to have off the bench. Uh, I'll be looking forward to seeing that salary number. Um, because if he's, 
at say what Dom Baji was making this this year. Um, I'd yeah. say it's an upgrade, right? First striker off the bench. I think Santos has been better than Baji. More yeah. of a goal threat, more of a creative force, and um, so. And the other the other point I wanted to make is, we've talked about this, is and you know, the kind of in in many in some ways the best player you have is the one who's already in the team. So if we didn't, if so, if we don't resign uh, Santos, we have to go out and acquire another striker from somewhere. And I don't know what the acquisition cost of that hypothetical player would be, or if you can get somebody of Santos's ability on um, similar acquisition costs and salary. I mean, we've had, we've had several players who've made a lot more than Santos and been less effective. <laughs> we, we've know? had so, plenty of those. Yeah. <laughs> so, and so, so to, to sum up my thoughts on it, I guess is I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm hopeful. Um, I don't think it's going to end up being something that really hamstrings us. I don't, I assume that this was, that all of this was baked in when Albright brought him over, that they had a pretty yeah. good idea of how much money he was going to resign for that. They wanted to bring him back. And that he fits into the team. That makes sense. I think it's too uh, much. It's too much money. I'm sorry. Oof, it's just yeah. it's it's what he brings to the table, the skill set that he brings. It's just it's not worth six hundred thousand gam. It's a lot of money, and it's it's just that's not how I want to see them allocating resources for bench players. That's money I want to see them allocating for starters. Um, I understand depth is important. You want depth, but we have decent-ish striker depth as long as Vasquez and Brenner stay healthy. Um, and just if you want to go find somebody that's fast, that just feels like intuitively you can go find someone that's fast. That's an easy skill set to go find. If all you care about is speed, there's a lot of fast guys out there that you can go find. Um, who? Who? I don't know. There's a billion soccer I mean- players on the planet. Um, Charlotte Charlotte transferred uh, Daniel Rios, a career USL striker, for more than half a million dollars in GAM from Nashville. I'm pretty sure there's a player who plays for Louisville whose name is literally Speedy. So, checkmate. (laughs) It's it's a million dollars total acquisition cost for what Sergio Santos brings to ride the bench. It just doesn't doesn't make sense to me. I, I trust Albright's pulled mostly correct levers but i think even we've said on this podcast before if there's one deal of this past year that we were sort of you know raising our eyebrows at how it turned out it's sergio santos um so does your opinion of this trade change if brenner is sold this offseason and santos is a starter absolutely alongside vasquez okay yeah no if if you view him as a starter and that you are getting someone who can start in this league score goals um and help make a positive impact on the offense, then yeah, a million dollars in GAM for a starting caliber striker isn't outside, isn't something that I'm going to, with experience playing in this league, fine. But he's not a starter right now. And if he isn't a starter, it's too much money to give up, especially when you have other places on the pitch where you need to go buy starting caliber players at. You're going to need to go buy starting, buy, you need to buy somebody to replace at minimum, I think probably either Ronald Moderita or, um, or, or uh, Jeff Cameron, you're going to need to buy someone to replace that role. That's a starter's role you're going to need to buy a replacement for. 
Um, if Junior Moreno or anyone is selected in the expansion draft, you're going to have to go buy a replacement there for someone that's going to see starter minutes over the course of the year. Just yeah. I don't see with the shopping list this team has to improve. I don't like the deal where you're already starting the year off down in the gam hole because you you built you built you were building depth at a position like striker. So I would I say my opinion will change if it turns out they didn't make upgrades or they were they were stra- they were too strapped to get starters at other at other positions of need. Um, but I also wonder, you know, does your position change if because you're assuming that the six hundred thousand dollars all becomes due just because he re-signed with the team, but the announcement did say, you know there's performance terms in there, mm. which I assume he hasn't met yet. I mean, maybe, yeah. maybe he could meet this year, but let's say like signing him is only another hundred thousand or two hundred thousand dollars in GAM, and the rest of it is, you know, he scores 15 goals. Right. Or, or plays in 30 games, which would be right. tricky. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think I think that's an interesting point there for sure. Um, oh, I had a, I had a question for you, Chief, and now I don't remember it. Damn. Was it? Uh, damn, do damn, I know damn. any good real estate agents for Jeff Cameron? Because I mean, it's a call, good question. Call, call Mitch. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Imagine if FCC retained Mitch's uh, real estate, uh, you know, expertise for uh, buying and selling players' homes. That feels like something that the team could do. Um, probably something that breaks the salary cap in some way. No, I'll be, I'll be sad to down see, in be, a gam hole. No, that's was it. It was down in a gam hole. I don't know what the segment is, but that's a new segment. Okay. Sorry, that's just <laughs> the. Uh, I'm gonna miss Cameron. And I'm happy that yeah. he had the, the good run to end things so that my memories of Jeff Cameron will be mostly positive here as an FC Cincinnati player. Because there was yeah. a stretch earlier in the year where it wasn't going to be somebody that I missed being on this roster. But now yeah. it's like, yeah, no, he contributed to a great defensive effort down the second half of the season, especially once Miazka got here. And yeah, sad to see him go. Sucks, but I hope that he is doing something that brings him joy. So, yeah, I was extremely excited when we signed Jeff Cameron and, you know, yeah, there's been ups and downs, but man, I still can't believe Jeff Cameron played, played professional soccer in Cincinnati. Right. (laughs) (laughs) May have ended his career here, uh, which is pretty incredible. Uh, Jeff Cameron does make me ask this question. Was he the best Nykamp signing? Brenner is probably at this point. Vasquez. Vasquez is a good call. I don't want to give him credit for Vasquez because they clearly weren't planning on using Vasquez this way. But yeah, I uh, was a good signing. Brenner was a good signing. I'll put it this way. In terms of his non DP signings, I mean, I'd say you have to say Cameron is his best non DP signing. Otherwise, it's what Ariel would be number two. Yes. Matarita? Yeah. Yeah. I guess Vasquez still isn't a DP, so I guess he still goes under the radar. But to Kevin's <laughs> point, it's like he had no intention of using Vasquez. It was a depth piece for him that he just got really lucky on. Cameron is probably the player of all the players they brought in with projected to be starters. 
yeah. he's probably the best signing they brought in at that TAM level threshold to yeah. be a starter. To do the job that they signed him up to do, which I also don't want to give them credit for Kubo for the same reason. <laughs> <laughs> they did turn uh, Viasia into like a million dollars in GAM. Kinda, yeah. <laughs> they didn't get to complete that deal, but yes. Um, I'm also wondering too here, uh, the, the Stephen Jimenez. Uh, there's a number of things that need to happen to hit that 550,000 to the point where we can pretty well guarantee that it will not happen. Um, but is chief of is this somebody that we should be like thinking about as like? not a starter but like a bench player like no that's a, no i mean i don't know how to judge these homegrown deals yeah. you judge them the exact same way that you judge a baseball draft pick where mm. you can be excited about potential and you can be excited that like oh yeah this is somebody who there's a lot of skill there but the, he's so far away from being a contributor to the major the major league side it's just a well. I'll see you in two or three years and see where you're at. It's like I can yeah. you can be excited, like I was excited when the Reds drafted Hunter Green, but I right. also it's like okay, he's a prospects or suspects, and yeah, until he throws a pitch in the major leagues or you know until he accomplishes some milestone along the way, like maybe we loan him out to a USL team and he tears it up in the USL, then okay, I'll get excited again. But there'll still be that that in the back of your head of He's got to do it against people that, you know, shave or people that actually have a future playing professional soccer at some professional level. Um, so, no, I don't. I, this is a these guys are lottery tickets. And to go back to segment one, we know how much we love the lottery on this podcast. We're a pro lottery podcast. <laughs> buying Jimenez is buying a, a very expensive lottery ticket on the hope that it pays out way more than what you're offering right now. And if you get the academy really working. Ideally, there are some players who, you know, never play with the senior team or barely play with the senior team, That's you know, because they because they get sold sold off. Like you know, Chris Richards, a lot of those guys out of Dallas. Weston uh, McKinney was the same way, yeah. Weston McKinney, um, Paxton Aronson has barely played for for Philly, and they just flipped him over to to Frankfurt for. Four million dollars plus a yeah. sell-on fee, something like that. Yeah, no, that's a that's a good point. Yeah, I'm just trying to decide. Like, I, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of money moving around for these guys. At what point should I have like some degree of expectation for on the uh, the first team? Also, speaking of loaning them out to USL and doing well, um, Ben Lunt, I'm gonna say narrowly missed out on a three-peat USL Keeper of the Year award. Uh, they gave it to San Antonio's keeper uh, yesterday, but he was in the running for uh, three times now USL Keeper of the Year, and honestly, I'm rooting for him to win it every single year for you know the rest of his career, uh, which is something probably of a curse and not really a positive thing. But <laughs> <laughs> but, but I hope he I hope he keeps succeeding because like uh, I. I don't know what happened behind the scenes. I maintain that man got a raw deal. <laughs> it's like winning, tri uh, like being a triple A all-star. It's like, yeah, that's exciting, but. Um, oh, shit. Uh, 
Corky, uh, Corky Miller, catcher, Corky Miller. I couldn't remember his last name. <laughs> yeah, it's like you, on some level you don't want to be Corky Miller, and on the other hand, if you can't go to the majors, you know, consistently, right. you want to be Corky he, Miller. He, so, he, if you're not going to be in the majors, then you at least want to be the Corky Miller of somewhere where yes. you're like retire my jersey at a triple a ball ballpark it's like is it as good as being a consistent big leaguer no but it's still fucking cool yeah there's a town <laughs> where a couple people will know who you are <laughs> there reminds me of bull durham where uh kevin costner's character is chasing down the uh career minor league home runs record and he's pretty embarrassed about it because <laughs> it means he's just been playing in the minor leagues for for too long right <laughs> oh man and on that note uh, build build mitch hildebrand his statue god damn it yes build him his statue out front of tql stadium oh or in front of the goal i think that would be a competitive advantage we could use um. <laughs> hey it's just like uh they had the flagpole in center field for the houston astros for all those years sorry we have a statue in front of our goal. You, yes. <laughs> hey, it'll be it'll be an advantage for you in the second half. Stop complaining. <laughs> that would be that would be hilarious. Our team just gets really good at kicking, not at the statue. Um, <laughs> oh God. Um, I'm gonna say the uh, whatever we just did there the uh, just did there the uh, 20 minutes on uh, fcc is enough for an fcc podcast we we ready to talk about this national team let's do We're it ready to go oh let's yeah go. i yeah. got takes part three we've got we've got a national team roster mm. off to guitar and we've got american outlaws board members off to guitar let's talk about <laughs> it <laughs> We're back. We've got we've got drama. We've got some some internet drama to discuss, and uh, you know the uh, the American Outlaws thing too, because the national team roster came out. I don't know which which one do we want to tackle first. The AO one was was a little older, so I'm tempted to go first. But the the roster just dropped. Well, I guess let's tackle the AO thing real fast because it does it it touches on something we already talked yeah. about a little bit. Uh, last episode where we talked about how uh, Cutter was paying fans to come to the world cup for free and take nice pictures and uh, influence. Um, But it turns out after, after episode dropped, they were getting paid (laughs) to do something else. Yeah. The, uh, so if you didn't see this story, uh, it actually came out of the New York times, Not uh, not the athletic to be clear. Or could have been somebody with eight dollars to burn and a uh, and a new Twitter account claiming to be the New York Times. Um, no, the uh, New York Times reporting that uh, American Outlaws board members were hired. I'm going to say hired. They were paid to do a uh, a press junket in Qatar, as well as go there to, of course, do everything Grayson said. You know, say nice things, take nice pictures. Uh, but they were also given a slightly different mission as well, which was to rat out fans who may also be traveling to Qatar who are not towing the uh, the company line and uh, and and pointing out. I 
I I think it was to like turn over to the authorities. Am I, yeah. am I right yeah. about that? Yeah, yeah. turn over like, to the authorities. Yeah. And also the, the article pointed out to recruit other people in the American Outlaws organization to take the same deal. <sighs> Literally helping a secret police uh, investigate and and prosecute thought crimes. Uh, Just incredible, incredible shit. Uh, The American Outlaws kind of denied this although uh what i really enjoyed was seeing their various half-hearted uh denials on twitter uh and then immediately underneath those were the replies of people with screen captures from their instagram accounts of them like clearly taking in qatar talking about how excited they are to be there and all the, like the Qatari like logos and names were very prominent in all of the photos. Um, just incredible stuff, Chief. I know, I know you were you were hot under the collar over this one. Uh, yeah, what's your take? I, I was. <laughs> and part of the deal with this whole thing was a, it's gross. I mean, I joked about it last week. Like, yeah, I'll take the deal. But no, you you are. It is right. fundamentally anti-American to go to a sovereign nation like Qatar with a human rights record like Qatar and take their money to not only promote their shit, but also to rat out your fellow Americans exercising their free speech rights. Like I understand that it's the classic American thing. Like uh, you have rights, but they don't exist in other countries. My, I have my rights. Now you don't when you travel abroad, but right. the idea that you would go there and you would violate the spirit of everything that makes you American of your ability to, to, to have a take to speak your mind and you're going to take that away and actively help a foreign nation punish people or go after people. And it's not like you're helping, you know, the British government or the German government where it was like, (laughs) they have a record of following due process. And, you know, you mostly get treated well when you're over there, you're helping a government that like holds migrant workers hostage that has virtual slave labor in that country that kills and tortures people like, no, like fuck off. This is, are they also gonna have to report on people that like when two men are holding hands, are they going to report on that shit too? Is it going to get right. that deep down the rabbit hole of what rights and what laws you're violating in Qatar that they're supposed to report on? And Ugh. the other part of this that's that was a bigger deal for me is that for the first time, this really made me ask a question that I think more soccer fans should have asked. Who the fuck runs AO? So you have this organization, American Outlaws, and they have just become so ubiquitous with and so synonymous with the U.S. men's national team that no one ever bothers to ask, who the fuck are these people? So like I've been an AO member off and on for years, and I've never been asked to participate in an election for who runs AO. I've been asked like, you know, who's in charge of the local AO board. There are elections about that. And if you go to AO's website, when it says become a member, it promises you the ability to vote in chapter elections specifically, but it never promises you the vote, the ability to vote for AO elections nationally. And that's because it's the same two fucking people that founded AO, one of their wives, another one of their friends from Nebraska, and then this Donald Wine jack off from DC. Those are the people that run AO. They yeah. are elect, they are, they serve for life. And those five people, those five people make all the decisions about what soccer fandom in America looks like. Like when you have AO chapters that talk about, oh, we had to have this TIFO cleared with AO National. AO National is five people. It's a bunch of people from Nebraska. 
that showed up and were mad they couldn't find a Sam's Army tailgate and have parlayed that into controlling ticketing for supporters tickets at all American national team matches, men's and women's. Well, you can go online and find their tax documentation. All these people pay themselves a salary out of $30 membership dues. So people that want tickets to go, just people that just want tickets to be rowdy at an American soccer game have to pay money that these people draw a salary from, $30,000 a year. They have a $70,000 travel budget. I think their travel budget is basically paying for the board to travel to every one of these games for free. So your $30 yep. membership to AO is subsidizing these five people from Nebraska who have jobs for life for them to travel to soccer games for free for the rest of their lives. They have a Obviously, we don't know that, but like the math works out. Works out that way. Yeah, right? you can like pretty convenient. You can, right, so... Yeah, so allegedly, I'm sorry, I should say allegedly with all this. Um, but the IRS documentation is there. They're alleging they spend uh, $17,000 a year going to conferences. Again, the AO board, because that's the only people <laughs> that they employ. They're alleging they spend $26,000 on IT, and they have an IT guy that is a blue check that was defending them all last week when this was going down. It's just, it's a gross organization. And why are, why is this allowed to persist? Why is this allowed? Why is this just accepted by the American soccer media, by American soccer fans that, oh, AO has this inherent God-given right to be the sole uh, rights holder for supporters' tickets and supporters' culture in this country. They didn't even have their board members listed on the website. You could not find who these people were. Like, you had to go deep into Twitter looking to find out who these fucking people are that are AO board members, and they were finally just shamed to put them on the website. This organization is gross. This organization is corrupt, and they are, they are, they are profiteering off of people paying 30 bucks for the chance to go see their national team. And it's disgusting. And I fucking hate it. And I want all of these people to burn. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm sick of it. Yeah. With oh. me, it's with me. It's just how there's so little transparency and it's just kind of handed to us by us soccer. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's just imposed. Like, you don't have a choice. No. Right. You know, like, like you, you don't get to like, if you want to be an FC Cincinnati fan, right. There's different, supporters groups and you can start a new supporters group or you can not belong to one you can choose or you nothing. cannot belong to one right and they all you know you can get tickets through your supporters group or you can get tickets through the club or you can buy bailey tickets on your own like it's all it's all available but there's nothing like that with right. being a u.s soccer fan like i can't be a fan of sam's, sam's army and get ticket priority and get you know in the in the the supporter section yeah yeah that's the that's the killer is the the linking of the american outlaws and u.s soccer it's like clearly you know there's there's i mean i will say allegedly there's some uh there's some kickbacks going on there's 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 some money changing hands for that exclusivity there there's a reason why the other groups used to be bigger and are suddenly faded away um least we forget like u.s soccer has a long history of corruption uh in and around Concacaf and whatnot so yeah i'm not i wouldn't be surprised if they're using these uh these ragamuffins to you know skim off the top of all of these tickets and and some money goes in a couple of different directions so afterwards what, like, I, what I really want exactly to know what this would look like why is this tolerated by the fandom 
Why is this know. tolerated by the soccer media? Why is there no, like, what's a bald-headed weirdo Grant Wall? Where's his sanctimony with this? With that there is an organization engaged in rent-seeking behavior, bilking money out of 30, uh, fans out of money, $30 annually for the right to see their national team, an extra $30 of cost. We'll bitch all day about ticket prices for the men's national team, but we won't talk about the $30 access fee that this glorified ticket master in Stars and Stripes is charging to all the fans that want to go to these fucking games. Where's the mm-hmm. sanctimony for that? Like, bravo American outlaws. It's like, no, man, bravo to these local fans that run these local chapters. I'm not talking about them. Those people that run local AO chapters are, by and large, good people who are good soccer fans that just want to be part of growing soccer in their local communities. They're great guys. You want to talk about somebody we talked about earlier in the podcast, Zach Blanford, worked his fucking ass off to get AO back and relevant in Cincinnati, and he's being dictated to, and the leaders of AO Cincinnati are being dictated to on TIFO design when they can show up. You know the drummers and capos at the game at TQL Stadium, they had to pay their way into the game. They didn't offer yep. cheaper tickets for people that were helping build the environment. The TIFO haulers, the drummers, the capos, all those people had to pay full freight. Why? Why where is American Outlaws saying, no, these people should um, get a free ticket? Or where is American Outlaws advocating for lower ticket prices to these games? They're fucking silent. Because they are a, they hold a monopoly. They're being paid money for holding that monopoly, and they have no incentive to ever rock the apple cart nationally and advocate on behalf of fans or do things that a supporters group should do. And it's disgusting to me that the national soccer media in this country just continues to turn a blind eye to it and say, well, this is just how it is. And then applaud the same organization for bringing the environment to these games when the national organization does nothing at all except show up and cook a bunch of fucking hot dogs before <laughs> each of these games On i a, love those fucking hot dogs they're delicious <laughs> i hate it i hate it oh. i hate these people and i just i i i want there to be an alternative i want i want there's thirty thousand ao members i wish there were five thousand members of some other group and then would go to u.s soccer and demand equal treatment just to see what would happen yeah. and why not oh Bravo. I mean, this is this is super annoying stuff that, yeah, like these guys could be positive, you know, players in, in our American soccer culture, uh, and they absolutely aren't. And I know, um, you know, this is an FCC podcast, but I know there were complaints from uh, Columbus fans for AO National being silent about Save the Crew if you want them to be like a fan organization and stuff like that. Like they've they've dropped the ball in other places where they, they could have been, you know, part of the people. Um, but enough about off the field. Let's talk about on the field. We got a roster. Come on. We've got our team that is going to Qatar. Uh, assuming there is no horrific injuries, uh, still to be had with this team. Uh, couple of surprises in this one one uh brandon vasquez not called up i mean this is a pretty shocking <laughs> development given how well he has played this year um <laughs> no i uh, i'm still gonna hold that grudge um let's see do we, do we want to read through this or do we want to just trust people to look it up on their own and talk um, about it i have a i have the graphic up so i can please I can run through it real quick so goalkeepers ethan horvath sean johnson matt turner uh, defenders, Cameron Carter-Vickers, Serginio Dest, Aaron Long, 
Shaq Moore, Tim Ream, Anthony Robinson, Joe Scally, DeAndre Yedlin, Walker Zimmerman. Midfielders, Brendan Aronson, uh, Kellen Acosta, Tyler Adams, Luca De La Torre, Weston McKinney, Eunice Musa, Christian Roldan. And forwards, Jesus Ferreira, Jordan Morris, Christian Pulisic, Gio Reyna, Josh Sargent, Tim Weah, and Haji Wright. Wow. Uh, I mean, first off to me, what jumps out is the uh, the lack of Zach Steffen in goalkeepers. This is the guy that played for Burhalter for three years, went to Man City, uh, had an awful howler, uh, goes out... I. I that I think it's a permanent deal. Maybe he's on loan to Middlesbrough. I think he's on loan, and but he's been pretty matter. good from what I hear. He's been pretty good for Middlesbrough, but uh, it was enough to to drop him with Ethan Horvath or Sean Johnson. I don't know who took his spot. Ethan Horvath his took his spot. Um, took his spot. I'm pretty sure Sean Johnson was always going to be in. He's like the the veteran keeper, kind of a leader in the locker room. Gotcha. Um, I. I'm kind of of, I have like a kind of a tinfoil hat theory on why Zach Steffen didn't go. Talk to me. I think, I think Greg decided that, um, well, I could have gone one or two ways. I think Greg decided he needed to have a clear number one going into the world cup. Mm. And he was decided between Turner and Stefan. And once he decided on Turner, he said, you know, I can't, have a controversy at the position going in. Um, and maybe even, maybe even they had some person personal thing go on Yeah, that, that Greg just said, you know, I don't want him in the, I don't want him in the locker room. I don't want him there. We're going to roll with, with Matt. I mean, I, I don't know. I, it, it does feel like Greg has like relationships with guys. And mm-hmm. makes decisions based on those relationships and based on whether it's a good one or a or a bad one, as we've yeah. heard from Matt Miazga. Um, the other, the other, th- the other thing though that could very easily just be true is he decided to to prize uh, shot blocking yeah. with his with his keepers. And Stefan does a lot of things well. Um, he's let's say average at blocking shots. Yeah. Yeah. Is a reactions guy. Um Chief, is there uh is there a particular surprise or or a player on here that uh that's got you? I mean just I there's know, upset. I, <laughs> uh particular just I don't I've said it before, I don't understand the fascination with Jordan Morris at all. Yeah. He's not good yeah. enough to play at an international level. He's past the prime that wasn't that good in the first place. And I don't get it. I, I, I would rather see quite literally anyone else out there other than Jordan Morris. And yet here we find ourselves with fucking Jordan Morris. The idea that Jordan Morris, who runs like a PS1 character, um, <laughs> that he is going to be out there and we're going to be subbing him on against fucking England. Oh. When we're chasing a goal, yeah, Jordan Morris is going to score on England. That's really going to that's really going to happen. Um, uh, yeah, I just I don't I don't understand it. I don't understand just with the roster construction 
that it's it's there's not a lot of great options that look different. It's a lot of very similar players to one another to where yeah. if the system isn't going to work or there's somebody that shuts us down or or figures it out, we don't have a lot of secondary options on the bench that look different and play different, um, which is what GG cares about. He oh. did finally. I mean, he does seem to appreciate by including Haji Wright. He does seem to appreciate that if you if you're going for a goal late in the game, you need somebody who is a little different than the guy who plays in your quote unquote system, who can act as like a target striker, just get get in front of goal, get up in the air. Um, and I'm not saying like Wright is a bad option. He's got nine goals in twelve games in Turkey this season, but it's just so it feels so haphazard because. If he knew, let's say, beginning of the year that he wanted a guy like this in his team, you'd think he would have spent more time like trying guys out. You right. know, and like Haji Wright has like, I think, double digit minutes career for the for the senior national team. Um, we haven't seen PFOC since I don't know, sometime like March, I don't know. Yeah. Um, you would think that you would bring both of those guys in in September and let them let them duke it out versus bringing in somebody like Pepe, who apparently right. is who. Th- there's no way you didn't know what you were getting from Pepe. He'd been called in plenty of camps, and uh, his former club coach at Dallas is an assistant with right. the national team. Right. You know, so what's what's the and of course, I'm going to say, you know, Brandon Vasquez did not get a fair shake. No, there's no reason you can't call in Brandon Vasquez in June or the September camp. No. Um, And if you and at least give him a look in camp for that for that specific roster spot. There's a bunch of people like that where they should have been taking a look at him when they were over the summer and they were in camp. Why wasn't Georgie Mihailovic looked at? Like, oh, yeah. Bring him in. Like, yep. He's a, here's a guy that can do a lot of things well, and it's a different type of look of a player than that they have on the roster right now. Just it's little things like that where it's just I'm just I'm I'm looking forward to the the, the end of the Greg Burhalter era, and I feel like if we're heading, I don't want to root against the national team, obviously, and I'll be supporting when they start playing, but the writing is on the wall. I don't think this team's making it out of group. I don't. Yeah. Tim Ream being added to the defenders list is good, but absurd that this is the first time he's been included in what over a year now. Right. More he than a captains year, yeah. a Premier League team, and one of his teammates is our starter on defense in Anthony Robinson. You can't say it's not a uh, uh, you know a chemistry issue. You can't say he's not good enough. You can't say he doesn't have the form and. Just insane that again, like this guy wasn't in the team more, uh, that he wasn't, yeah, at the September call up, let alone the uh, the June call ups. Um, it's just insane. Also, uh, and I know, uh, Grayson, you and I were talking about this before. Is Shaq Moore that good? The Shaq Moore and Christian Roldan were two additions that made me realize I did not nudge enough, did not watch enough Western Conference soccer <laughs> because those guys don't jump out at me as like international caliber guys. I don't know why you need five outside backs with the center backs that you have. Right. Like, I, 
I have, I think every single member of this center back group, and I'm glad Tim Reams in the team, but I include him in this, has serious questions you can ask about their play and how they're going to fit in together. Yeah, and yeah. I was really alarmed when I heard Burhalter talk about what the plan is after here. They're not getting to Cutter until November 14th. Yeah, like so they have a week. They have a week together. Yeah. before the game on the 21st. And I think I think center back is an extremely unsettled position group right now. I would have taken four outside backs because you feel pretty good about three, maybe all four of those guys. Yeah. Uh assuming they all stay healthy, but but uh Scally and Des both can play on either side. You know? So that's yeah. additional that's a that's additional depth there. And I would have I would have brought in somebody like Mark McKenzie or Eric Palmer Brown to give yeah. you extra center back depths and give you options because I'm just so so worried about watching Aaron Long start <laughs> start the opening game at the World Cup. You think he's going to have a little bit of trouble with Harry Kane making those runs right down the middle? He's got trouble with Aaron Ramsey. <laughs> Right, Aaron Ramsey and a old man Gareth Bale patrolling the top of the box. Oh, yeah, it's it's not going to be fun. Um, Paul Ariola was a MLSer that I thought probably would have been included. I thought he was a weird snub. Uh, so I had a, yeah. So with, the, with my thing with the Paul Ariola thing is, so you look at Jordan Morris, you're like, well, why is Jordan Morris in this team? And they're like, oh well. Because Paul Ariola is injured, and it oh, made me feel like it? that. It made me feel like that moment in like Superbad where he shows him his fake ID, and he's like, <laughs> "Here's my name, McLovin." And like McLovin, he's like, "Yeah, it was either it was either that or Muhammad." Why were those <laughs> your two choices? <laughs> like, why <clears throat> why are our choices here, Morris and and Ariola, and like, yeah, like right. Ariola is a a per, he's a really good MLS player. Right. But he was ineffective for for Swansea. And yeah. I don't know what exactly you expect him to do. This team is gonna have this team's gonna need goals. Yes. Um and they they got players, they got players that can score, but I would have I would have been focused on one. So if I was putting the roster together, which I'm obviously not, and I don't <laughs> know what I'm doing, but I, my my first two questions would be, you know, what can we possibly do to 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 staunch the bleeding on defense? And I think you solved right. that by like giving you as many options at center back as possible. And then two, if I need a goal, if I need if I need to make a sub that's going to give me goals late, what are my options? And Somebody like Morris or even Ariola, that feels like we're just trying to put a new cog in the system. Yeah. And late in the game, if you're if you need a goal, it's likely because the system has been been ineffective in that game, and you need to switch something up. Right. So right. I would be looking for different kinds different kinds of players. Um, and I don't think Jordan Morris hunched over running as fast as he can staring at the ground is the is the difference maker um when you need a goal against 
against England to at least snatch a draw because you already lost to Wales. Like, yeah. Oh, it's going to be bad. Yeah. Is that what we're expecting? Do we, do we think uh, the U S gets out of the group? No, not this group. I hope they do. I hope they get out of the group. I hope they do. I just don't see it. Sure. I don't see it. I just don't think uh, this pool of players they have right now, they didn't look great in qualifying. They didn't look great in the hex. They didn't look great in the last set of friendlies they played. At some point, you are what the back of your baseball card says you are. This is a mediocre U.S. men's national team that's going to have to play um, better than they have played at any point during the process by which they were created to win this. I mean, that's if they play like they played in qualification, they're going to not they're not going to make it out of group. They don't score yeah, enough, yep. and they have too many mental lapses when they play. Uh, their set pieces are not great. Their defending on set pieces is not great. It's what does this team do well? The, the, the midfield is that's really American. Good. That's American soccer forever. <laughs> My entire adult life, like what is of the defining characteristics of American soccer? They hustle a lot and they're very athletic because we don't develop skill well enough at an early age in this country. We're starting to get better at that, but we are still left with a team right now that it's like, what do they do better than anybody else? They run, and that's we're not better. Yeah, they have a good they have a good midfield they have good they have good wing players they and they have good outside backs i think, Striker, I think that's center back is our is our weak spot which right up the, the two right up the gut groups. right and i i would even i would even throw i would even throw goalie as i would say goalie is not as strong as it has been yeah for previous yeah. world cup us us men's teams Although Turner's been pretty good for Arsenal from what I, I see in uh, the Europa League. So he's not their day in, day out starter, but. Yeah, well, he's also- going out and, you know, I guess shutting out uh, Maccabee Haifa. Right. Um, <laughs> we had, we had you know, Tim Tim Howard winning, you know, the, the, the Football League Cup or. Right. You know, guys like Casey Keller and Brad Friedel starting games for for over like me, like they were starters right for right. for many teams in in top leagues and i'm not, i'm not maybe maybe turner gets there he's still he's a goalie so he's got he's still got some time but yeah. I, I i like turner i just think it's past us teams goalie has been decidedly a position of strength even comparative to other other teams we play i don't think we can yeah. really say that this year no or coaching, huh? <laughs> yeah, about that. Oh, it's got gosh. nice shoes. It does have nice shoes. Well, it'll be a fun tournament to watch. I think, uh, I mean, the only thing I have to go off of is the uh, the official uh, FIFA simulation that uh, EA ran, and uh, we won the group in that one. And uh, then they really fucked up how they set up the bracket and they had both us and England on the same side of the bracket as a whole mess. Uh, But they had us going to the quarterfinals. So look out Senegal or whoever we would actually play. I just assume we're going to lose to Ghana. I don't know how or how that's going to happen, but (laughs) we were uh, one or two teams away in the official draw from getting uh Ghana instead of Wales, which just would have been the dream group of UK, Iran, and Ghana. What could have been? What could have been? Sad. I weep for it. I would have flown over and stayed in a container ship to watch that. 
But would you have snitched on your fellow Americans? <laughs> I mean, you're handing people over to a secret police that literally disappears people. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> it's not like they're going to the drunk tank. Yeah. Man, they could be I don't know, well, torn don't, apart, thrown into the ocean. If I don't show if I don't show up to record next week, it's because AO secret police got a hold of me. <laughs> so I want this to be I'll have to set up a dead man switch to release all my incriminating shit on everyone. <laughs> if this Twitter account doesn't tweet every eight minutes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, let's get out of here. Uh, the, the people, the people want to watch their, uh, their expansion draft shows. So, <laughs> uh, uh, Eric Alexander. Uh, <laughs> uh, fuck the crew. <laughs> okay.